Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Well, we are in our series, House of Worship. We're talking all about worship. We've been talking about why we worship, what the Bible says about worship, why we do corporate worship, why we do personal worship. It's just a lot of beautiful conversation around worship. And I want to continue in our series today, and I want to ask you this question. I want you to ponder this question as we go throughout our next few moments together. Here's the question. How has music or art helped you stay faithful to God? How has music or art helped you stay faithful to God? Because the truth is music and art can help us stay faithful to God, but also can help us stay faithful to other things that are not God right? For instance, my daughter, who is four years old, uh, is very faithful to something that is not God, okay? And she's four years old. She says the cutest things right now. So I have this log on my phone of cute things that Nala is saying right now, and I just don't want to forget them. So the other day in the car, she says to me, Mom, I want to be a preacher when I grow up like you and teach people how to sing. I don't know what she thinks I do up here. (laughs) I think she thinks I'm like a choir director or something, you know, Uh, but it was cute. I was like, oh, Nala, that's so cute, you know, and so I said to her, I said, well, do you want to teach people how to sing songs about Jesus? And she said, no, I want to teach them songs like let it go, let it go, let it go. And this girl just robustly sang her favorite song, let it go. And if you don't know where that song comes from, it comes from the movie Frozen that little girls everywhere are obsessed with. And this girl, I tell you what, she knows every lyric, every word to this song. This song, these songs in that movie, I tell you what, they are brilliantly crafted to get the faithfulness and affection of our children. It is true. And I don't know about you, but that song has been stuck in my head since 2014 when it came out. And it has the power to keep my daughter's attention. It has the power to keep her faithful to the conglomerate that is Disney's Frozen, okay? And so it's just wild how music and art can keep us faithful to all kinds of things. But today, I want to talk about how it can keep us faithful to Jesus, how it can be a powerful tool in our lives and in our discipleship process. Let me give you some really fun facts about songs, music, and art in the scriptures, Okay. Did you know that you can find 185 songs in the Bible? Many of them are poems. 150 of them or 80% are found in Psalms, which is mostly songs, if you didn't know. Song of Solomon had epic love songs in the Bible and Lamentations has songs of mourning and loss. Songs cover a lot of bases and feelings and human experiences in the Bible. Moses sings the very first song in the Bible, and the last song that John the Revelator sang was Moses' song, referring back to the song in Exodus. We're going to look at that here in just a minute. And the greatest song of all the songs in the Bible is called Song of 
Song of Songs, or maybe you've heard it as Song of Solomon, the greatest of all songs, according to King Solomon, who wrote a thousand and five songs. Is there anyone in this room that has written a thousand and five songs? I mean, it is wild. There is a hand, but hey, I, I would love to hang out with you later. So I want to look at first the first song that is mentioned in the Bible. It is a song that God gave to Moses, but it has a little bit of a turn. It's not quite a happy song. So let me just uh, set this up for you. The Lord is talking to Moses and he's telling Moses that the people have forsaken his covenant that he gave with his people. So he's talking, God is saying, I will be angry. I will hide my face from them. Disasters will come upon them. I mean, it will be so bad that they will wonder if God is with them anymore. Can you imagine hearing this as Moses is hearing these words from God? Deuteronomy 31, 19, this is where we're gonna pick up. Now write down this song and teach it to the Israelites and have them sing it so that it may be a witness for me against them. When I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land I promised on oath to their ancestors, and when they eat their fill and thrive, they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me and breaking my covenant. And when my disaster and when many disasters and calamities come on them, this song will testify against them because it will not be forgotten by their descendants. I know what they are disposed to do. Even before I bring them into the land, I promise them an oath. So Moses wrote down this song that day and taught it to the Israelites. This is the first song that is accounted for in the scriptures. Isn't that wild? Why would God write a song and ask Moses to write it down, basically just rubbing the people's failures in their noses. Noses in their failures. The opposite. And so this is really wild. The scripture actually tells us why. God says, I'm, I'm, I want you to write down this song because I don't want the people to forget that they have turned their backs from me and they have turned toward evil things and not kept my covenant. And he wanted us to remember that for generations after generations because we would then begin to realize the huge impact and powerfulness it was when Jesus came to save the world. Okay, so this was really huge. I want to read this quote to you. For their time of great distress, God provided the people through Moses, not a sermon or a prayer, not a speech or a a reproach, but a song. And we, those who practice music in the church, are the heirs of that tradition. We are the inheritors of the power of a song. It is not a trifling matter to select our hymns for worship, to accompany them, to lead them, and certainly to sing them. We are engaged in nothing less than the formation and transformation of a person, the saving of a soul, the healing of a body, the teaching of a mind, the renewing of a spirit. If there ever was a time to use that terribly overused adjective, awesome, it is now. It is now. I want to suggest to us today that music and art are powerful tools to help us stay faithful to God. How many of you want to stay faithful to Jesus in your lives? It's not easy, is it? It's not easy. And we all can relate with how uneasy it can be to stay faithful to God because the reality is it's hard to walk alongside Jesus when our culture is vying for our affection, vying for our love, vying for our worship of other things 
like Frozen. And there are so many things that are happening that just try to steer our hearts away from God. We have a lot of really good reasons in our head to trust money over God, to trust capitalism, to trust government systems rather than trusting the provider of all things right? We have all of these competing ideologies, philosophies, and worldviews. Uh, I want to tell you what an ideology is. It's simply a system of beliefs. And here's the thing. Even when we're trying to walk alongside with God, we don't necessarily mean to, but all of a sudden we begin to worship other things over God. Because sometimes good things are good, but they're not necessarily God right? And so here we are seeing all of these different ideologies. I was reading this week, you can often recognize an ideology by its ism at the end. For instance, you all have heard these words, socialism, capitalism, liberalism, conservatism, and anti-racism. But what makes these things, these are not harmful things, these are not bad things, but what makes them harmful is when we lose perspective and we begin to worship them and put them above our faithfulness to Jesus. And this is a struggle that we all have. You are not alone. I struggle with this. We all struggle with this. And Paul, the apostle in the New Testament, he was like a pastor who is always trying to help people. Listen, you're not living faithful to Jesus. I want you to live faithful to Jesus. And he kind of describes the situation like this. It's a little bit intense. It's a little bit convicting, but a little bit of conviction is good for us today. Amen. So 1 Corinthians 3.1 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world, as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. For you are so controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow aren't you acting like people of this world? Jump to verse 18. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Oof, that hits hard, right? He kind of describes, honestly, what we still face. The New Testament church was facing this struggle to be faithful to Jesus. And so are we today. We can relate with this. So today as we talk about this, I believe that music and art are powerful tools to help us stay faithful to God. How many of you would say you're a creative in this room? Will you raise your hand? You're like, put yourself in that creative spot, hands all over the place. I hope you creatives today see, feel seen today because there is something very beautiful and powerful about what God is doing. Now, I am not a creative. I literally have like a panic attack when I think about painting my children's rooms because I don't know what color to pick for them. It's just a huge thing. I would not put myself in that category. But I believe that God has tools for us so we can stay faithful to him. So I want to bring a theology and a biblical understanding behind music and art and how it impacts our society and our lives. So number one is this, music and art reach our human longing for beauty. Music and art reach our human longing for beauty. Did you know that the very first people in that the Bible mentions are filled with the spirit of God are artists? Let me say that again. The very first people in the Bible that were filled with the spirit of God were artists. Isn't that wild? Exodus 35:30 30 says this. 
Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bazazel, a son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tri- of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic design for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both t- both him and Oholiab, son of Asimach, of the tribe of Dan the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers. All of them skilled workers and designers. Isn't that cool? This is what's happening in this moment. They are building the tabernacle. Okay, I'm going to tell you what tabernacle is. But this is a really, really hugely important job. And these guys were handpicked to help build the tabernacle because they knew how to make a building beautiful. They knew how to make things beautiful. This was important to God as the tabernacle was being built. And so we have to recognize that in the New Testament, there are all these spiritual gifts that that we see that are listed in several different places in the New Testament. And not not many of them, or maybe any of them, really point to art being a spiritual gift. But I want to tell you this morning that the first people in the Bible that were filled with the Spirit of God were artists. It is a spiritual gift. It can be used for godly kingdom purposes. Amen? So as we look at this, we'll see that uh, the, the temple, it was actually so important. It was the place of Israelite worship, and it demonstrated the Lord's goodness. And so God wanted it to be beautiful. We see music and art happening in the Old Testament all throughout. David played the lyre when Saul was being tormented by evil spirits in 1 Samuel. David danced. Any dancers out here? Dancing is a form of art, a few of you. David danced before the Lord with all of his might, 2 Samuel. Uh, and Elisha was able to prophesy when an unnamed harpist began to play. Artistic gifts are given and can be used by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want us to understand. They chose artists to build the tabernacle because it was a very, very, very special place. Did you know that tabernacle tabernacle actually means to dwell? This was a place that was being built for the Spirit of God to be able to dwell. It wasn't just going to be this boring, utilitarian sort of building. This was where the Spirit of God was going to dwell. This is where the Israelites were going to come and worship. And you know what? He made sure that the people on that building team were going to make it visually magnificent. And I think that is really incredible. Why is that so important? Why is it so important? Well, I think the truth is that art forms are able to touch people at a level that words can't reach. Sometimes art forms are able to touch people at the level that words can't reach. I know for myself, I've experienced something in art, in corporate worship, in something that I see that is so beautiful, I don't have words for it, but I've just sort of had this experience with it, right? Uh, I love this quote by Plato. It says, in order to take the spiritual temperature of an individual or society, one must mark the music. Andrew Fletcher famously said, let me make the songs of a nation and I care not who makes its laws. These quotes speak to the heart of people. You know, in our world, good works, God talks about good works, and our world and our culture feels like good works have just become so politicized. 
It feels like truth. And many people just feel like truth has just become so relative. But no one can argue with beauty. No one can argue with beauty. And there's something that Jesus, there's something that the scriptures are telling us about beauty that he wants us to see. I think as humans, we suffer from this sort of insatiable longing in our heart, this existential longing that can't be fulfilled by anything in this world. And I am a true believer that the only thing that could, could fulfill that deep longing in our heart is Jesus Christ. And I know some of you are saying yes and nodding your heads because you have tried to fill yourself with a lot of other things. And the only thing that has filled you truly and really quenched that thirst inside of you, that longing in you, is the love of Jesus Christ. And I want to point us back to Jesus in this conversation of beauty. Psalm 107, 9 says, For he satisfies the longing soul and fulfills the hungry soul with goodness. You know, sometimes in our longing, we fill it with something else, like I just mentioned before. So like, for instance, sometimes I have food cravings that must be met, okay? Like, I love good food. And there are times that I just crave my favorite kind of potato chips, all right, like I, like I crave this potato chip, okay? It is the, listen, it is the bourbon barbecue kettle brand potato chips. Come on. And uh, my body is just telling me that I need this bag of, I mean, okay, what is your chip of choice? Just start yelling it out. Sorry. None of those are as great <laughs> as bourbon barbecue kettle brand potato chips. They're so good, okay. But my point is this, I have this craving, but my body is trying to tell me that I need something. It's not necessarily potato chips, most likely it is not potato chips. But my body is needing something, it's telling me something. It's needing sodium, right? So I need to fill my body with good sodium, not a bag of potato chips, right? If I crave sweets, often my body is telling me that I need more of something. I need more calcium or protein or iron. But that is so lame compared to the Ben and Jerry's dairy-free fudge brownie ice cream. Can I get an amen? I mean, if I need more calcium in my diet, just hand me a box of ice cream. That is all I need, right? When I have a headache and I take ibuprofen, most often my body is telling me that I need to drink more water, right? So you get it. We have cravings. We have longings. We try to curb our cravings with things that aren't that great when our body or our spiritual life is trying to tell us we need something else, right? To fulfill the longing inside of us. You know, we all have good uh, good desires and bad desires. And I grew up, I feel like, in a church world where Christian leaders would just be like, deny your bad desires. Deny them. Deny them. Don't acknowledge them. Pretend they're not there. Hide them under the rug, you know. But I don't know about you, but I've realized that when you suppress your desires, even if they're bad, they will come out. And oftentimes we go back into our bad habits or whatever, right? We begin to relapse into harmful habits. There's a longing that's trying to be fulfilled when we look at pornography. The longing itself is innate. It is created within us. The longing itself is not destructive, but pornography is destructive. We're filling ourselves. We need to take a closer look at what it is we're needing in that moment, right? 
There's a longing that we're trying to fill when we put our entire identity into our career and how much money we make. There's a longing that we're trying to fulfill and all of a sudden one day you realize, oh my gosh, my identity was wrapped up in my job and my job was temporary. And you begin to be convicted, you begin to realize that you are fulfilling longings in your life by putting your identity in your work. There's a longing we're trying to fulfill when we get into relationships that are unhealthy and we stay in them. We stay in them because we have a longing in our heart to be with a companion or to be with someone. But we say, hey, you know what? This is better than nothing. I don't wanna be alone. We're trying to fulfill longings, curb cravings that God created within us. And I wanna tell you, there's good news. Psalm 20 verse four says, may he, may God grant your heart's desires and make all of your plans succeed. God wants to fulfill those desires. He wants to fulfill that longing for beauty that you have inside of yourself. I mean, Jesus calls us beautiful. Did you know that? Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. The word masterpiece in Greek is actually the word poema. Do you realize that we are actually God's poetry? We are his masterpiece. He created us to be beautiful people. He is, we are his prized possession, his masterpiece. And I think the, the beauty of Jesus is something that should really captivate us. And we need to let every sort of different sense in our body be captivated by the beauty of Jesus Christ. How many of you know what the word kalos means? Beauty, it means beauty. You know what, uh, it's actually, poorly pr pronounced Greek, but it means, kalos means beauty. And in church plant training, Pastor Pradeep and I went to church plant training, training probably six years ago or so, and they told us, hey, you know what, our advice to you, don't name your church some weird name no one can pronounce. Okay, we don't follow instructions very well. But we really felt like God kept speaking to us about making known the beauty of Jesus. Name your church Kalos. Keep the focus on the beauty of Jesus. He is beauty. He created beauty. All other beauties point toward him. And the reality is the reason why we wanted to start a church is because we recognize that some of you, some of us, have experienced some of the most ugly and tragic things the world has to offer. And we need to come around the beauty of Jesus. There is something powerful and magnificent about the beauty of Jesus. Life doesn't always feel very beautiful. Can I get an amen? But that doesn't change the beauty of Jesus. It doesn't change the fact that he calls, this, calls us his poetry, his masterpiece. He is the author of all beauty. And I just want to tell you this morning that there is a human longing in our heart for beauty that only Jesus Christ can satisfy. I believe that with all of my heart. So how does music and art help us stay faithful to God? It reaches our human longing for beauty, amen? Amen, number two, music and art evoke a response in us. Did you know that doctors can actually see the difference between a brain without music and a brain with music, like experiencing music? I have a, I have a picture that's gonna show you. There you see on the left, the brain at rest and the brain's reaction to music. Isn't that wild? 
Doctors at John Hopkins researchers have had dozens of jazz performers and rappers improvise music while lying down inside an MRI machine to see what happens to the brain. It evokes something in our brain. Now, I want you to understand a couple of things about the brain. We process music in the part of our brain called the temporal lobe, okay? Language and words are interpreted in the left hemisphere of our brain. Music and sounds are interpreted in the right hemisphere of our brain. Isn't this wild? Research has shown that listening to music, it's so good for us. It can reduce anxiety, blood pressure, pain, and will improve our sleep quality, mood, mental alertness, and memory. Music and art evoke something within us. It hits our brain. Literal, our neurology is literally hitting us differently than the way that we process other things. It's why we begin to experience music and art differently than other things in the world. I believe that music and song evoke a response in us. And I'm gonna prove it to you this morning, okay? So I'm gonna play a song for you. I want you to just really like be in touch with yourself, okay? For a minute. And just, what is it evoking inside of you? Let's play that song. Let's turn it up. Let's just crank that thing. here for you. See what emotions this evokes in you. Come on, sing it with me. I don't want a lot more Christmas. There is just one thing I need. In less than 10 seconds, I got all of you in the Christmas spirit in April. In April, music evokes a, a strong response in us. All right, you guys want one more? I got one more. You, you want another one? Okay, here's another one. I don't know what that evokes in you, but I heard that last Sunday night at our karaoke, this song was fire, okay? So how many of you, anybody at karaoke singing this song? Okay, there we, there we are. There's something about that. But music evokes a response in us, amen? There's another part of our brain called the hippocampus. Everybody say hippocampus. Music may increase neurogenesis in the hippocampus, allowing production of new neurons and improving memory. This part of our brain where music and art evoke memory, create memory, help us remember things is really powerful because so many of the songs and art throughout the scripture that we see, the poetry that we see is always songs helping us remember what God has done. 
It helps us remember the faithfulness of who he is. And it compels us to be faithful to him. David writes in Psalm 103:2, Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for us. And God created it in us, designed us to be able to experience art and music in a way that would help us remember. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Why do you think that we sing worship songs in church? There's a reason that we do this corporately. You know, I'm not stupid. I know that many of you are going to walk away from this message remembering one thing, which is my favorite bag of potato chips, right? You may not remember every single word of a message, but you know what might happen to you? You might wake up tomorrow with this song in your head. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to to do whatever you, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you begin to recall the faithfulness of Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you let the surrender of that song sink deeply into your being, you will be more faithful to Jesus. You will be more faithful. So we may not remember every words of a sermon, but man, the way music and art hits us, helps us to remember. You know, I want to just share uh, that, that this, that this, this, sermon was actually really interesting and difficult for me to write. I wanted to bring a theology and biblical understanding around art and music, but it was difficult for me because I am not a, a, I'm not a creative, but I experience music really deeply, right? And what I don't want to necessarily say is that I'm just in a, I just experience everything emotionally, right? Like worship music is all emotional for me. I know for some of you, there's baggage there. I don't want to be manipulated. I don't want emotions to, the music to carry my emotions. And I just want to say to you today that music evokes something within us, right? I mean, I am up here on Sunday mornings screaming and singing as loud as possible. Sometimes I make accidental eye contact with the worship leaders. Anybody do that? You know, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so off pitch. So I just close my eyes and just keep going. You just keep worshiping, you know, but I'm being moved. So I want to tell you this morning, if you've never lifted your hands in worship, if you've never knelt to your, to, uh, on the ground with your knees in reverence before God, I just want to tell you, if music is evoking you to do something with your body, it's a good thing. You're not letting go of control. We are a church that believes in control. You're not being manipulated. Music, I just told you scientifically, literally how we were designed, it evokes something something within us, right? So I want us to be a church that allows the Spirit of God to move in us. I want to read this quote by Jack Hayford. Singing opens the way for an increase of the Holy Spirit's overflow in us, as well as an unfolding of discernment regarding His will in our lives. It is by the creative capacity of speech and song given to us by God that man has, among other ways, been glorified above other creatures, above other creatures. I want to tell you a story this morning about uh, just how music impacted our family in a, in a big way in a really difficult time. Uh, several years ago, many of you know that my son was diagnosed with very severe regressive autism. And he is seven years old and uh, for the most part pretty nonverbal, has a lot of challenges. Well, a couple years later, we had my daughter. And my daughter, uh, about 15, 16 months, was starting to show some signs of something going on neurologically for her that were, was keeping her from learning and developing her speech. And I mean, I'm telling you what, you guys, like we just spiraled. I was spiral. I just thought, oh my gosh, is what, is, is what happened to my son now happening for my daughter? 
And I went into this place of questioning the goodness of God. I mean, how could you? Anybody? God, where are you? Why would you? I just went down this spiral. And I remember just thinking, I, I, I can't, I can't hardly like think about worship songs right now or sing them. I'd be in here singing these songs. It was so difficult because I didn't believe it. I went through a period of time, it's called the dark night of the soul. I didn't know if I believed what I was singing anymore. And so I, I pushed myself, if I'm honest, because I knew if I can't talk about it, if I'm in this place, you know, music, if I'm honest, for some people, music can be comforting in those moments. Music can just feel like it does something for you, a healing. For me, I, I was just really ticked at God, right? But I, I would, there was a song that we were doing here at Kalos Church during that time, a worship song. And I would play this song every day that I took my daughter to school. I would play this song over and over in the car. And I would not sing the words because I did not believe the words. But I would listen to the music. Because I loved the music, actually, of this song. It was so pretty. And I was just like, okay, God. And so I would just, through gritted teeth, I would listen. I would sing part of it. I, I would just, and the next day, man, I would try, okay, I still, oh, I'm still not loving this, you know, but I would just keep trying to sing this song. And the song, it goes like this. I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord. I'm confident as seasons change, your faithfulness remains day after day after day, that's the only song that we listened to in my car with my daughter. And I tell you what, I was so angry and I was struggling so much. And then one day, I kid you not, all of a sudden my daughter who could not form words, who was not forming sentences on her own, starts singing this song. My daughter, the testimony of her life that I tell people is that she started singing before she started speaking. Do you realize that music evoked something within her? It woke up something within her and she began to sing. She doesn't even know she was worshiping the Lord. She doesn't even know that this is a beautiful psalm that David wrote in the scriptures. She has no idea, but the power of music, the impact truly evoked something within her. And that is true about us today. I believe again that music and art are powerful tools to help us stay faithful to Jesus. Amen? Amen, amen. All right. Well, I want to do this. I want to invite you. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. As they're headed up this morning, I, I, we're going to just sing a little bit more of this song together. This song, I will make room for you. And, and no matter where you are today, you know, I want to tell you this. On Palm Sunday, when the Israelites were so excited and Jesus was coming through Jerusalem, they waved palm branches, right? We just, Andrew read that scripture. They waved those palm branches. And I want to tell you something. It was a really beautiful moment with song and dancing and clapping. But here's the thing. The Israelites thought Jesus was something that he actually wasn't. They thought that King Jesus would now be a new king that would come and basically by military force save them from the Roman Empire. This is what they understood a king to be and do. Well, they would watch Jesus die on Friday of that week and they would watch him resurrect on Sunday. And they would realize 
that what they thought about King Jesus wasn't great. It was even better than great. Because what happened is that King Jesus showed them that he was coming to be the savior of the entire world. He was coming to abolish all sin forever, to make a way for us to have redemption through Jesus Christ. That's way better than taking down a government. Jesus was coming. That was the celebration. And so as we worship in this moment, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, Jesus is not who I thought he was. Sort of feel like he failed me. He hasn't, he hasn't met my expectations. I want to tell you that the whole biblical narrative, everything that comes together in the Bible story is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is better than what you think.